Greetings, Redeemer family, and welcome back to Redeemer Radio. I am Ross, joined again by Dan and my temporary enemy for the week, Sean. We are tolerating each other this week as our teams, Michigan, my team Michigan and his team Florida State are playing each other in the Sweet 16, which is exciting. Uh, but uh, it's, I think it's kind of appropriate, Sean, that we're talking about sadness because mm-hmm. it's just going to be good prep for you um, as, as you will probably have a lot of sadness this weekend after Florida State loses to Michigan. Wow, wow. Starting, We I'm didn't even there. talk about this in our pre-production meeting that he was going to go there. You just put me on the spot. We're the, frenemies for the week. That's exactly. what I'll call that's, it. Yes. That's we're going to have to go back to hurt where you guys are going to yes. hurt each other because yes. of this. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. After Florida State puts a hurting on Michigan. Ooh, I see what you did there. Yeah, nice. yeah. So well I guess by the time this episode airs uh, next week, we will see what happens. But um, but no, it's a fun time of year. It's been fun um, having March Madness back this year. Uh, so talking about sadness uh, in all seriousness, um, this is we are definitely staying out in the deep end on this one as we kind of talked about hurt last week. And um, this is a very heavy topic. And we know that sadness has touched um, y'all's life and in our church, all of us, in in different degrees and um, different ways. And sadness is um, a topic that I think is getting a little more um, prominence in our culture and attention. And even there was a movie that came out a couple years ago uh, talking a lot about the emotional life called Inside Out. It was a Pixar movie. Um, And sadness actually played a fairly prominent role in the kind of the plot line of that movie would you guys say absolutely i think it's a one a really enjoyable and funny movie but really insightful as well and just thinking about uh you know the premise if you haven't seen it is this child riley has to move and uproot and make new friends and all these things and it gives insight into her emotions so a lot Mm -hmm. of the story is told through her emotions and joy is kind of the main character who runs riley's life because she's had this great life but now there's a lot more sadness in there and she's trying to keep sadness out of joy's life Hmm. and yet she can't do it and it keeps messing up with joy's perception of what life should be yeah and i think what's what's so insightful about it and perceptive and uh it hits home to, to think about your emotions doing battle in your brain mm. or in your heart. Yeah. And that, that, that picture, just that overall picture of them kind of having to work together, but not really being able to, to do that well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes time for that to be able to, to go well in your own heart and your own brain. I think that's, that's a, it's a super helpful movie. Um, especially cause you'll go, Oh yeah, that's me. Like that happens to me all the time. Like it was just, yeah. It's like, Oh, this is a movie about me. Oh yeah, what about yeah. the the husband and wife trying to interact about parenting? That yes. alone is worth <laughs> the scene for all parents to watch that wow. one. Yes, um, yes. But I think even if we watch that movie again with their grid of how emotions are a gift and how God's designed them, I think it might even make it richer as you watch it. But there's a, a great scene where Joy tells Sadness to stay in the circle and not get out because she'll mess everything up. Yeah, And I do think this is a really appropriate topic for us to wrestle with in a year where there has been so much loss Uh uh, of small things as well as huge things, you know I mean? And this is, you know, to be very transparent, this is a challenging one to want to come into, to have to know we're talking about sadness as I'm still processing my dad's death. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of, um, just a a lot that may bubble up in this one. So, Mm. 
I think all of us have felt sadness in profound ways in the past year, though, mm. and some of which we've tried to put in a little circle and not impact our life and act like nothing's going on here. I'm fine. And that's just not true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we give you permission, Dan, to um, allow some of that to to come into play in this episode. Um, so sadness, it's the feeling that speaks to how much you value what is missed uh, and what is gone. The more sadness that you feel or that we feel towards a loss that shows the more we valued it. And um, C.S. Lewis has a famous quote about just loving people and how when you really are moving towards someone in love, you are also opening yourself up to, to being hurt or sad um, if things ever go wrong. And that's what can be challenging about love. And so, you know, kind of going back to that picture of in the movie, joy kind of putting a circle and making sadness stay kind of in that circle and not come up. It, it just, I think we connect with that scene because um, it can be hard for us to um, really get in touch with any sadness in our life. So guys, what would you say is so hard about opening ourselves up to sadness? Wants to feel sad, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, it's just it's such a basic point, but yeah. I think that once you get, once you have the feeling of sadness, then you, what is the immediate thing that comes after that? Well, you try and, okay, let me compartmentalize it. Let me figure out how I can not feel like this anymore. Mm-hmm. That's, that's at least my natural reaction. And so from just from a fight or flight perspective, almost right. Like I'm going to yeah. do what I can to not feel like this mm-hmm. instead of being comfortable enough to sit in it and, and under and try and understand it and impress it on it. So on a very basic level, I don't think anyone ever wants to feel like that. Right. Yeah. If you, you know, as just a pure raw thing. Mm-hmm. And so it, that that can be one reason why, it's hard to open ourselves up because we don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think even relationally too, that sadness can be a real sign of weakness, right? If I'm, if I have tears, I mean, how many times and, and it's changing, thankfully, but do you say, well, stop crying, just be tough, you know, or as a boy, act like a man and not mm-hmm. have these tears instead of being able to enter into the sadness, own it for what it is and then move on. Um, so I think there's the weakness. I mean, who of us wants to sit across from a friend and go, man, I'm just really sad today, right? Mm-hmm. Because it feels, again, weak and vulnerable. What what are they going to do with that? So again, again we, we kind of keep it a, at a distance. Is there anything about our Christian circles that can often lead us to avoid sadness, you think? Yes. <laughs> I think I think we can uh, assume that if we're feeling sad that we're not trusting Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And and there there might be an extent to which we need to place our trust in Jesus more. Yeah, and Jesus, we'll get into that. Yeah, yep. we'll definitely get into that. I'm just saying, yeah, th- so on a basic level again, yes, I think we can we can assume maybe we are there's something wrong. There's some, you know, oh no, like I'm not as much of a Christian as I thought. I don't mm-hmm. love Jesus as much as I thought. And so there could be a, sh- a guilt or shame or something that enters the picture there. Um yeah. uh for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, I'd say again, maybe weakness of the Christian life. Then if you're sad, you must not really be trusting Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe lack of nuance between how can I have joy and be sad? Mm-hmm. Can I have joy and be sad? Absolutely. But it, it can be confusing with happiness because there is a sense of happiness within joy. Uh, but you know, even at my dad's funeral, being able to have tears, uh, sadness, and yet, joy and hope mm-hmm. you know and both from being with family and also just of god's promises so i think we also don't have great we've talked about this great descriptors 
and don't have a great word bank for our feelings. We don't know how to analyze them well. Mm-hmm. So I think that can be another problem. So therefore, sadness must be weak Christianity. Yeah, yeah, and I think it can be also a kind of a deficient theology of sadness um, that maybe that hopefully we'll get into a little bit today. Right. There's a whole book called Lamentations, right? That uh, is all about sadness and about yeah. grief of what's happening to the people of God. Yeah. And aren't the Psalms of Lament, isn't that like over a third of the Psalms? The largest category yeah, in the, the Psalms. Largest sal- yeah. So, yep. so uh, kind of we're starting to get into some of the tension of um, that can be in this subject, especially as Christians. But guys, what should we watch out for when we're dealing with sadness? My natural response, if we're using Winnie the Pooh characters, is to be a tigger, where I will just kind of, you know, try and overpower with my happiness, not even joy, right? Like, I kind of will weaponize my own happiness and say, well, let's move on. Let's focus on the good. Let's, you know, this is in my, maybe in my family context, right? I'll just want to move on really quickly without actually ever dealing with anything. Woohoo! Like, you know, life's good. Look at the flowers. Like, mm-hmm. you know, almost try to distract myself th- through my ability to be happy because I can control that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so that side of just denying, kind of denying feelings, which can, again, I think can be more prominent in Christian circles because we see sadness as maybe un, un, a lack of faith. And then I think the other would be putting too much, right? The whole self-pity, the the kind of turning, as one person wrote it, you're turning it around to the other person so that they feel and tell you what you're feeling almost. Like, I need you to see that I'm sad because then you can rescue me or feel for me instead of kind of owning your own sadness. And so we just live in our emotions or we deny it. And somewhere in the middle is where we need to be learning to live. Yeah, it's either Tigger or Eeyore. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that victim mentality that we can often get into. And I, and I as I was reflecting on um, our episode last week and hurt and, and negative responses to hurt, I, I kind of came to Dan and Sean afterwards and said, oh, we forgot to talk about self-pity and the victim mentality. That's another negative response to um, hurt. Um, but I think it also comes up when we talk about sadness as well. And like Dan was saying, it's that self-pity is kind of making others feel the sadness for us. And um, yeah, it can be it can be manipulative. And there's so much we could say about that. Um, and then, yeah, the other extreme of avoiding, I've heard someone say, um, you know, denial of our sadness diminishes, diminishes our capacity for our souls to grow bigger in response to pain. And, um, I think that is so true. I think there is, you know, God uses our pain and our, our broken, the brokenness to, to, um, make us more like Christ. And I think when we just completely deny it, we, we miss out on that opportunity and he, he used an example of a, a patient after like a surgery who refuses to get out of bed after the surgery to put the muscles back to work because that hurts to do that. Um, and so it's kind of pretending nothing's wrong, but if they just stay in bed after the surgery, it causes the muscles to atrophy, which actually leads to, to bigger problems. So the denial creates a bigger loss. And I think that there's something in that that can teach us about it. And I think a third... Um, category for kind of unhealthy responses is despair is just kind of despairing that's another side of eeyore he's both kind of self-pity but also despairing um and woe is me and and all is lost and and no hope and of course we're called to grieve with hope so guys it's it's kind of a tension then it's kind of how do we know that fine line 
is there any way to, to kind of get at that where, you know, there, we are called to, I think really weep. There's places in the Bible as we'll get into to weep, but there, but we also don't want to go into, you know, self pity or despair. How do we know that line? I think that's hard to know ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think we need to have other people who we let into our life and be able to speak into our life. Mm-hmm. And I think that number is not very many who know us that well, to be quite honest. Yeah. Because I think if we tend towards a self-pity, we're going to want everybody to kind of speak into it and make us find value and try to rescue us. And if we're denying it, then no one's ever going to get past the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think being willing to ask that, I, I think like other things, if in your life you're finding your sadness becoming debilitating mm-hmm. longer than just a couple of weeks, then that might be a sign that there's something that it's more serious and you need to pursue a friend or a pastor or a counselor, mm-hmm. like, like a lot of things when it gets past, when it stops you from being able to really live, then you'd probably need to see if you're stuck and mm-hmm. need help. Yeah. Yeah, and I think part of life is not trying to always reach destinations, but but being a, being willing to pull back and see the journey as it's unfolding, right? Yeah. And so I think in a relationship with Jesus, and you know, so vertical w- when you think about your vertical relationships with God, with your Father, your Heavenly Father, but then also earthly friends, having people that that are in your life where nothing is off limits to ask helps you. Uh, find so you were saying just a, f- a few people having a few people that you can trust if it's a spouse but also a really close friend um, mm-hmm. that you can say to them I don't like part of our friendship needs to be that nothing's off limits like you can mm-hmm. ask me anything and right. and if you think I'm being fake please tell me if yeah. you think I'm hiding or stuffing please tell me like ask questions ask pre- penetrating questions I think um, as we use the gift of horizontal relationships and uh, and continue to uh, rely on Jesus and have a posture of processing with him. I think that's how we can begin to develop what, you know, an idea of what that line looks like. We may not ever see it clearly, mm-hmm. but we can get closer, I think, yeah. at, as part of the journey. Yeah. And I think just knowing too that when things happen that come more quickly, particularly in the in loss and grieving of, of a loved one, the more surprising it is, the longer you're going to grieve usually because you've had time to grieve along the way, particularly if someone's uh growing older and, and death is just closer or if, if it's through an accident then there's just this you ha- you aren't prepared and so also mm-hmm. knowing that grace is going to look different both how how you have that loss and as we talked about the degree of how much you love that person or or that thing how much it captured your heart and so there's just a lot of variables as we talk about this obviously those are really helpful thoughts guys i don't think i really have anything to add to that no those are that's good so Let's kind of dive into the Psalms for a little bit. Uh, you know, what do the Psalms teach us about dealing with sadness? And I can kind of jump in first on this one. Like Sean said earlier, uh, lament is the biggest category in the Psalms. It's, the Psalms deal with sadness a lot. So there's so many examples, but I think I'll just kind of summarize uh, some of the wisdom um, in kind of two categories, and that is come messy and come expectantly. I think those are two major things the Psalms teach us with our sadness is to come to the Lord messy. Um, And that just means just to come honestly. Um, It's one preacher we listened to. He said, there's, we see these pre reflective outbursts from the depth of our being um, in the Psalms. And Psalm 39 is an example of that 
Um, it's one of two Psalms, Psalm 88 is the other one, that um, ends on a, um, it doesn't end with hope. You know, like a Psalm, like Psalm 13 goes really deep into grief, but it ends with joy and it ends with hope. But um, not every Psalm is that way. The end of Psalm 39, it says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears. For I'm a sojourner with you, a guest like all my fathers. And then he says, Look away from me that I may smile again before I depart and am no more. And, you know, the rest of the Bible shows us that 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 idea, look away from me, that's theologically incorrect. I mean, God is omnipresent. He's watching us, as Psalm 139 says, all the time. Um, but the, the, the very one commentator, Derek Kidner, he has a great point about that verse, and he says the very presence of this prayer is a witness to God's understanding. He knows how we speak when we're desperate. It's almost as if this is in the Bible for us to see that God says it's safe to pray like this with him. We're given permission for our prayers of sadness to not have to be kind of neatly packaged, um, but can be those pre-reflective outbursts at times. Um, of from the depths of our soul. And so I think without this understanding of how safe God is to come to in pain, for at least some of us, we may not even come to him because to, to truly come to him, honestly, we may not feel right. And so it, it's really helpful that, that God gives us language in the Psalms of how to come to him. Well, and yeah, I mean, we see this in earthly relationships with children, especially, right? When they, yeah. when trust has been broken between a, 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 a parent and a child, that child is less likely to come back, um, to come back to that parent. And, and the child is always observing what is safe to do here? What is not safe to do? They're not doing it consciously, but that's what's happening. And yeah. so as we, if we can see our heavenly father as safe to come to with anything, I just love this point. I just, I just yeah. wanted to jump in and say that, like we see it, we see it play out in parent child relationships all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Jerry Sitzer, he's a Christian um, author who's written my favorite book on grief. He has a, a really heavy story. Um, but one of his major points in his book is that the quickest way, he uses the illustration of the quickest way for anyone to reach the sun as the sun's going down and the light of day is not to run west to try to chase the horizon of the sun going down, um, chasing after the setting sun, but it is to head east plunging into the darkness until one comes to the sunrise. And so he, he kind of, that's something he learned in his process of grief um, is just really allowing himself to enter into the sadness and pain. Um, and that's where he finally found more healing. And, and this next point, I think, um, affirms that, and that's Psalm 126. And so I said, come messy, but also come expectantly. So Psalm 126 says, those who sow in tears shall reap with such shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy. And so it's a really interesting word picture that the Psalms give us there um, that our tears can be for us, um, kind of equating them to like seeds that we're planting. So when we are weeping over something that is hard or sad and, and grief, um, it's a way to, um, it, it, in a sense, it's almost it, like you're investing your tears. You are planting them, and God will produce joy from that, as this psalm says. And the New Testament affirms that. Uh, in Second Corinthians 4, it says, This slight momentary affliction is achieving an eternal weight of glory. Um, and so, 
there's a sense in which our tears actually produce and then lead us to a deep joy. And, and that doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. It doesn't mean it's going to happen right away. I mean, Psalm 42, my tears have been my food day and night. Um, but there's something that it, it's just to show that God is at work in our tears and God can really use them. And um, I've, I've done a little research on that they're doing on, on kind of emotional tears and they're showing just how healing it actually is for our bodies physically to let our emotions get to the point of crying and tears. Um, and they're showing that it's actually very healing to do that. And, and so even just in my own story, I mean, Dan, you were talking about how this, this topic is touching you. I think for me, you know, there's been elements of sadness for me as well this last year. I think, you know, I've moved this last year and um, there was a lot of tears in the car on the way up. As much as I was so excited to come to Raleigh and it has been an amazing I had just invested four really, you know, thorough years of ministry and, and loved those people well and developed great relationships. And there was a lot of sadness leaving yeah. Florida um, a year ago and then coming into this even more unknown of what it's going to look like to be new in a pandemic at a church. Um, but I've also experienced those tears reaping joy and, mm-hmm. and there's been so much blessing um, here in Raleigh and at Redeemer. But um, I think just learning in that to it, that that it was okay, you know, that that, that my grief um, and sadness was actually a receipt that I had loved well, and and it was a sign that that um, you know it was a way to really honor uh, the relationships I had in Florida, um, and and those are some of the things I'm I'm still learning. So, anything else you'd want to say about just kind of what the Psalms teach us about? Um, sadness there's so much we could say now this may transition to some of the other things but so what do we do with that sadness because you know as we there's different types of loss right you you Mm -hmm. lost the relationships because you moved Uh, i lost my dad through death Um, i think people have lost opportunities you know think of students who didn't really have their senior year or Mm -hmm. missed a prom or people who have missed work opportunities, family mm-hmm. gatherings. Yeah. Uh, people have lost relationships in this divided year. So I think there's different responses, even thinking about grieving and owning that. And and does the sadness, you know, so I can't restore, or not restore is the right word, I can't continue my relationship with my dad. So I grieve the permanent loss of that. Mm-hmm. But say, and and there's a transition for you moving, but what about losses we've felt even relationally now that I would hope experiencing that sadness would move you actually to want to bring healing and reconciliation where you can. And to think about, so how should I live now? Like, uh, I know I'm kind of rambling now. This isn't anywhere in the notes. But even thinking about dealing with my dad's death, you know, it's not only grieving the loss and the ways I feel it, uh, but part of it has been like, okay, who do I want to be as a dad and as a granddad? Mm. And thinking, what is what is my sadness moving me to want to be in the future and seeing the things that were done so well by my dad and things that I would say I'd, I'd rather do this differently and, um, and trying to process that. So, again, thinking about the sadness moving me towards something, and I think that's where we'll get to, not just staying stuck in the sadness, right, but but seeing how it can move me to to things I love and treasure and open myself up to be hurt again, whether it's trying to 
you know, trying to be the dad or granddad or friend that I want to be, that means I'm going to have potential to be hurt. Mm-hmm. So just rambling, like, what do we do with all our sadness, which we're moving to, but that's kind of a transition to like, all right, how do we cope with it? How do we move on from it? How do we process it? Yeah. Well, and, and, and you sent us a, a, a sermon from Tim Keller on this very Psalm, the Psalm 126 about mm-hmm. plant investing your, he says, expect tears, right? Mm-hmm. You should expect tears. That was sort of his first big point. And he talks about being a Christian, following Jesus. Um, it, it means that we should expect to cry more. We should expect yeah. to have uh, these deep feelings and these deep emotions uh, because it makes us more human, not le- or more like him, not less, right? right? It makes us more fully who we were made to be. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that's it's really healthy to process that way to say, how can I keep opening myself up? But also, how can this be a sanctifying thing for me? How can how can this make me more like Jesus? Because I'm I'm trying to love better. I'm trying to um, reflect him more, you know, things like that. Right. I mean, his own weeping as he looked out and saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. So there's also the loss that you see others experiencing or. Yeah. Jesus loss and weeping at Lazarus tomb. And I mean, just so many ways that this is just a deep challenging thing that I think we don't slow down because we're trying to keep circle and keep sadness in the circle. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't want to think about the ways we've lost. (coughs) Yeah. And I think our sadness um, helps push us deeper into seeking to find refuge in God and, and experience God as a comfort uh, and first Corinthians one, you know, then that also increases our compassion for other people and sadness through really being in touch with our own sadness allows us to be in touch with other people's and, and build our empathy and compassion for them. Yeah. Where and, Paul says, you know, that we can comfort others with the comfort we've received from the Lord. And then, this speaks to finding the healthy ways, which we're going to talk about, because I just saw an article where for the first month since the pandemic, alcohol sales have dropped. Like the, uh, alcohol sales went up through the roof during yeah. the pandemic as people were using it to cope in a lot right. of ways with the sadness yeah. and hardship that they were facing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, we've kind of already transition but yeah what else can we say about coping with sadness what are some things um you know especially thinking theologically or biblically but um even practically i I think you you just said it a little bit ross but i think the the idea of of the posture of some of the psalmists uh, you know the the people who are writing these psalms especially david right and we think about his posture of continue i think i said this last week continuing to process out loud with the lord because the lord is a safe place to go so as people cope with sadness it's not this i'm not saying hey if you just process it with the lord it'll get better what i'm saying is it's the most it's the safest place to process it it's Mm -hmm. the safest posture to have to go to the one that that already knows you and knows the depths of your heart um, and and can and work through those things uh, mm-hmm. with him and and hope my my hope in anyone's sadness is that it would deepen their dependence in the on the Lord and that they would be able to sit in the Lord's lap as they cry mm-hmm. and, and 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 experience some of these things right as a child sits in their parents lap when they're feeling hurt and sad and all of those things so I think coping starts with a, a, a posture of of depending on the Lord and and expressing to the Lord what you're what you're feeling. Yeah. And in in that sense, it's, it's even a gift to lead us into the Lord, but also to loosen our grip on this world. Mm -hmm. And that's Romans eight, you know, of just 
that that pains of childbirth it's it's like a pain of childbirth leading us to long for the the new heavens and earth and that as hard as sadness is it, it's a it's one of the ways that that god um deepens our longing um for the for the new heavens and new earth you know we often hear about the stages of grief yeah and denial anger bargaining depression acceptance I had actually listened to something a while back, uh, and you brought it up as well. It's it can be unhelpful because we often think of those as linear. Mm. They may be experienced that way, but they're not. They're really they ebb and flow. Yes. And there's there. I think you had some good language like there, um, elements or dynamics of grief, and we may f- we may not feel all those. We may feel some, and right. Just trying to to realize <laughs> that, and that it can take time to really work through those and um, even as I've been thinking my brother and I were on the phone uh, the other night and our family always does a March Madness bracket and we did it just at the very last second and uh, I realized I had kind of put off wanting to even do the churches because that was something that we did with the family and I did with my dad I mean Mm. a lot of my dad's and my story was our connection through basketball yeah, we would play basketball. He coached my basketball team. He became a basketball coach on a high school and then a college level. And we would always talk about basketball and watch basketball. And and so I realized just the sadness I was feeling entering into doing the bracket, and I kind of didn't want to do it. Yeah. And to be honest, I did it as a duty, like ah, I got to be in the redeemer one, you know, and should yeah. be in the family one. And so at eleven forty-five, before the twelve o'clock tip-off, I finished and didn't really think much about it even if I did I wouldn't have done any better this year but just seeing my sadness in a that had come kind of out of nowhere and being okay with that and then seeing my brother felt the same thing it was metabolizing too for he and I to talk about this and share it together and Mm -hmm. experience that loss and talk about it yeah yeah I think I've got three or four more kind of closing thoughts on just kind of healthy coping with sadness. I, th- I think the book of Ecclesiastes is helpful. There's a time for weeping and a time for rejoicing. That's something I've been trying to work on more. And in those times when I'm more, you know, in sadness to really open myself up to it and open myself up even to weeping, um, I can quickly just shut it down. Um, and there's times where it's maybe not as appropriate, but, but usually it, it is. And there's even this verse in Ecclesiastes, it's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind. And um, I think there's there's some helpful things in that verse about just the value of, of being in touch with the brokenness of this world that, that pushes us towards God and towards the new heavens. Um, and then, you know, I think that this has been a real another real challenging one for me. Um, one of the authors we read, he says, we can't delight deeply in anything or anyone unless we are willing to walk in the world of sadness. And that, that almost has a way of affirming Psalm 126 of our tears are sown and we reap joy. But I think that's something for me that hit for me too. I can often, especially when I'm trying to move towards people in a relationship, I can have a guard up. Um, and I don't really, um, you know, allow myself to, to more deeply relate to someone because I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to, I don't want to experience sadness, um, of any kind. And so it limits my, my relationship. And so I think 
the more we're willing to experience sadness, I think there's actually more joy that we're going to experience because we're opening ourselves up to the possibility of it. Um, and the final thing I would just say, and this is that, that, that kind of schema we put at the beginning of those eight feelings and that chart, um, each of them has a gift that we move towards. And so for sadness, the gift is, is acceptance. And I think that's an important thing for us to remember is the goal is not to just get over sadness, but to, to get to a place of acceptance. Um, one person has said, um, you know, the sorrow I feel has not disappeared. He's talking about his grief, but it has been integrated into my life as a painful part of a healthy whole. And he uses this picture of, think of like a stump of a beautiful tree. The tree was cut down. It's a stump, um, but you're putting up lands, a beautiful landscape around it. So there's still the stump that reminds you of kind of the tree that was there, but there's also this, this beautiful landscape around it. And that's, I think, one way to get at, like, like Dan was saying, like this, the grief stages aren't linear. We don't just go through them and then we're at acceptance. Like they, it comes back in, in waves. Um, like it just has for you, Dan. And so getting to a place of accepting it, um, uh, and, and just living in that tension of the now and not yet. And I like how one guy made the distinction between acceptance and resignation. Mm-hmm. We're just like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. And just kind of yeah. almost denial. Right. So there is a difference between acceptance and resignation. Yeah. So finally, I mean, this, I think this warrants some discussion is how, how do we, especially as believers, what does it look like for us to care for someone who's, who's deep in sadness or grief? Any initial thoughts from y'all? Yeah. Be quiet. Hmm. Just sit with somebody, ask questions, draw them out. Don't give platitudes uh, even if they're true things, but allow some time for grief. Mm-hmm. Again, there may be a time where you do need to nudge them, push them, help them. Right. But initially, just be still with them. Be present. Let them feel their sadness with them. Um, you know, one of the things that is enjoyable and cathartic, is, it sounds odd, but when I sit down with people to help prepare a funeral service, I'm like, tell me about this person. I want to hear their, their life. Yeah, and so they get to share the joy and the good memories and the hard memories, and it's sad, and yet it's uh, I can enter into the world and miss this person with them in ways that I wouldn't before, and and it's not like I'm saying, well, you know, but we don't mourn without hope, though, you know, after we say that and they cling to him, like you're right, we we aren't mourning without hope. You you like pull out what they say instead of just slapping a Bible verse on it, you know, which is often easy to do, even for me, and and just listen. Yeah, that's a great point. I think part of how to care for them is to help them grieve yeah. by a question like a question that I've asked sometimes is like, what are you going to miss the most about the person? That's mm-hmm. sort of dovetailing on, on that. Yeah. I like that example. Um, yeah, other thoughts are, you know, kind of what you were saying, Dan, is just kind of if not being like Job's friends. I think Job's friends are in the Bible to show us how not to right. care for people yep. uh, when they're in grief. Um, I think having humility, uh, just noticing that Jesus condemns people who try to explain away um, pain. Um, but I also I think a really profound gift we can give people, and Dan, you kind of said it, is 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 our tears. Mm. Uh, that's Romans twelve. Is I think weeping with those who weep, and I think there is something that m- means so much to you when someone is is um, weeping with you, and. Um, I mean, yeah, there's so much we could say. 
Um, I think a lot of it does depend on the person too. Um, And even you see this in couples where if they grieve differently, it can actually can create tension in their, their marriage. Um, I've had some of that in my own marriage. Um, But you know, for, I think if someone's tends to be more of like the tigger and, and avoiding, maybe it's kind of gently letting them see, giving, letting them see the importance of, of leaning into their sadness more. And if, and if it's maybe who's someone who's more like an Eeyore and, and more of an indulger, maybe finding ways to kind of more healthily express those emotions. Yeah. Concretely give someone maybe a Tigger Psalm 88 and an Eeyore, one of the Psalms that turns the corner with hope. Um, Yeah. And I think, I know we're running long. One quick thing. If, if a third of the Psalms are lament, what does it say about the American church that there are so few real laments in our, our song book, our hymn book, contemporary yeah. music? Because we're afraid. Yeah. I think afraid to enter into lament, those minor key songs. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd just add, uh, if you're still listening at this point, is, is Grief Share is a really helpful ministry. And uh, we're actually going to have Jeff Forey, who's a member of our church, um, actually helps run Grief Share. Um, and it's a Christian organization that, that puts Christians in grief together in a group to really process it in a, in a biblical and deep and healthy way. And we're actually going to have Jeff share a little bit about Grief Share um, on our blog soon. So um, keep an eye out for that as well. One of the last thing just before, like as we do, as we do these episodes, I, we're trying to come across as, as welcoming and, and open to hearing from you, like yeah. people who are listening. And if you need to sit with someone and talk and start to process this, Hey, I don't know what I'm feeling or why, or I need help with this. Please come ask us. Like we're not necessarily the foremost experts here, but we're at least studying this and having to deal with it ourselves. This has been a heavier thing than I expected for me to, pro- to, to prepare for. Right. Even mm-hmm. though I'm not even doing most of the heavy lifting on the prep work it's 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 taking me to places and making me feel a little bit more uncomfortable. anyway we're yeah. we're well acquainted with these things right now and so we'd love to hear from you i don't know i think yeah. that, that i think i'm just it's extending great, that no, invitation. i agree yeah. i appreciate you saying saying that all right well uh that is a wrap um we will be talking about loneliness next week and actually ann larson um, from our church will be uh, a guest on that episode we're looking forward to having her join us Um, But thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting again next time. And grace and peace to you all.